Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. Listening more specifically to the resuscitation of a fun little side project I did last year in the month of October, which is a mini-series that I like to call Epoque Conversation. This is my second attempt to record the third episode of Epoque Conversation. I just cancelled and deleted the last one because I couldn't get my thoughts in order. I'm recording this on Sunday, October 16th, and what I wanted to talk about mostly is Halloween Ends, which is the concluding volume of uh, David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy, which is kind of an immediate sequel to Halloween from 1978? Was it? I think it's 78. But it's also technically like the 15th or 16th installment. Halloween Ends is supposed to be the conclusion of its own trilogy, but it's also the conclusion of a quartet. But one of the things that makes it distinct is it's called Halloween Ends. And this is the first of every single Halloween movie that does not end with like a cliffhangery suggestion of another story. It's just like, hey, here, the story's done. It's been told. Surely we're going to get a sequel at some point. What I wanted to talk about is like, did I enjoy the movie? I went and I saw it at 5 p.m., the first available showing in my area on Thursday night, and I was in a mostly empty theater. I got a vibe that all the people in my vicinity, like outside those walls, they were either still at work or just about to come home from work. And it was nice. It felt like a little bit of a fucking retreat to sit in this huge air-conditioned room with no windows and I don't know I just don't like my job so it's nice to do that in the middle of the week and did I enjoy my experience there yeah I did it was a good time would I say that it's a good movie I honestly don't know as I was editing Cuba Fruit with my agent I was like learning a lot of shit about storytelling and she would be like hey I understand why you like this passage but it doesn't fit the character or it doesn't fit the momentum or it like just it, it's this is not how a story works and she would explain certain facets of storytelling and it would make sense and like I learned a bunch of shit some of which I understood I think intuitively but recently like one of the first experiences where I was very where I was like I had a very clear idea of why I was watching something that didn't work like empirically did not work I don't know if you've watched Ozark I binged it basically like I watched the first 10 hours and I, I stopped enjoying it but then I was too invested so I watched the remaining like 35 and um, it's not like the actors do a great job but it, I really don't think it's a good show and what really drove home for me the idea that like this show was being renewed on a season-by-season -season basis and they did not have an overarching plan is that at the very beginning like episode one of each season introduced a new villain and that villain created an arc of problems which was neatly resolved in the last episode of that season and if at the outset of every season you're introducing like four or five new characters including a major villain it, it shows that you are not you didn't plan this whole thing like this was not one story you got a chance to tell another story in this little universe and so you told it when i was a kid i went with my family to see men in black 2 and i think i was like 10 years old or 11 years old and when we went back home like nobody really talked about it but then my mom's friend leslie came over and leslie was like how was men in black 2 because men in black 1 is like a fucking perfect movie it was a huge sensation 
everybody loved it. And then I was sitting in the kitchen with them and my mom and dad in unison were like, it sucked. And I didn't understand that, but I, it made me, rather than like disagreeing with them, it just made me think that I had missed something. And I said like, why was it bad? Why, I don't understand. And Leslie looked at me and she was like, you'll, you'll start to understand pretty soon. And she was right because at that point, being like 11 or 12, I didn't think of movies as things that were made by people with like artistic and commercial considerations. I thought that movies just kind of happened, like trees. And I'd never seen anyone walk around outside and be like, oh, that tree sucks. So it didn't make sense to me that a movie could be bad. Like I just watched it and I don't know, like every piece of art that I consumed when I was a kid had its own vibe of authority. It was here in the world involving lots of people, most of whom were adults, and I had nothing to say about it. I mean, slowly I started to realize like, hey, if I'm bored watching a movie, it means that I kind of don't like that experience. And then as you get older and you learn what's a good story, what's a bad one, you develop a little more confidence about not just saying like, hey, I didn't like that, but occasionally you can just say empirically like, hey, that was bad. Doesn't mean that a person can't enjoy it. Doesn't mean that a person is stupid or has bad taste if they like really love Police Academy 5. But another thing it reminds me of now, mention this is why the first recording was so fucked up and I had to scrap it, is because that remembering being 10 years old and Leslie explaining to me that yeah, a movie can be bad. It reminds me of when I was in second, like in second grade was when I really started reading. I was like learning how to read words in kindergarten and then sentences in first grade and then in second grade was when I read my first chapter book. I think it was called Freckle Juice. And I remember I remember turning the last page of Freckle Juice and looking at the bottom and it said like page 160. And I closed it and I put it down and I was like, I am now 30 years old. I don't like, I just felt like such a fucking adult. In second grade, I got from the library a copy of one of the Shel Silverstein books. And it was the first book I'd ever held that there was a like a gigantic picture of just a man on the back of the book. And I think they've all been printed the same way every subsequent edition, so I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. That iconic author photo of Shel Silverstein on the back of that book. And I took it to my teacher, Mrs. Biondi, and I was like, Ms. Biondi, who's this dude? And she was like, oh, that's the author. But I was a kid and I was not a, I'm not one of the smart ones either. And I watched a lot of cartoons. Among those cartoons was the, the portrait of the daily travails of a precocious bipedal mouse named Arthur. So when Mrs. Biondi said, that man on the back of the book, that's, that's the author. My mind, which was new to sentences, just can re reposition that to be like, oh, that guy on the back of the book is Arthur. And she goes, that's the guy who writes the book. And again, Fucking first time in my life that it occurred to me that books are not like trees. It's not as good an analogy as the movie one because books grow from trees. You know, a few days later, I remember I was in my mom's closet. I forget what she was doing, but I picked up a book and it was a Patricia Cornwell book. And I turned it over and uh, Patricia Cornwell, I don't know if you know, has always had like shortish hair, like down around her ears. And I pointed at the photo and I was like, who's that? And my mom goes, that's the author. And I was like, Bro, who the fuck is this Arthur guy and how does he write all of these books? Because at the time, in class, like, a daily assignment was that we had to open our Mead notebook journals with the marbled cover and we had to write, like, four sentences. I think that was 
the minimum. We had to write four sentences in response to a prompt, and I was just concocting the spelling of these sentences. If you ever had the misfortune of sitting at the bar at Anthony's when I was a bartender and you drank something that I made, it probably tasted the way that my words were spelled in those second grade journal entries. Which reminds me of a fucking other thing. And when I was in kindergarten, we had to do something similar, but we only had to write two sentences every day in a journal. And mine was always like, the dog sees the cat. And I was so embarrassed. Like I saw people writing whole ass sentences, sagas of what they had done that weekend. And I could not construct a fucking viable sentence about anything. And then one day we had to do Christmas cards for our parents and my teacher, I forget her name, but I remember her face vividly. And she was like, I don't remember her exact language, but she just made it very clear. Like if we fuck this up, we're gonna be orphans. Our parents are gonna sell us. There's a lot riding on this Christmas card. It's gonna mean a lot to your parents. You're gonna be able to present it to them on Christmas morning. So I'm working on the on this Christmas card for my parents. And I just said, writing something about presents under the tree. And I went presents under, and so I went to my teacher and I was like, hey, how do you spell the? And she goes, sound it out. Like really fucking venomous menacing and like she hissed it at me. So I went back to the table and I sat down with this card and like so much was writing on it. And I'm like, okay, the, sound it out. What letter is that Z? Is that ZT? And I just started sobbing, like a hysterical sobbing. And like one of the teacher's aides came to me and she's like, what's wrong? Couldn't get the words out. I also felt like if I revealed that I, I so did not pay attention in any class I ever took until high school, I was convinced that if I revealed that I didn't know how to spell the, I would get in trouble because I was like, this is so fucking difficult. It must have been part of a lesson at some point and I wasn't paying attention. And I'm going to get yelled at. Back to Halloween ends. Like, was it a good time? I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Is it a good movie? I don't know, man. It, you have to know a thing or two about how these kinds of sequels tend to work. Usually they play it very safe and Halloween, the reboot in 2018 was super conventional. It was just more cinematic. It was more carefully made. Uh, there were better performers, better, every, every, the whole crew was a step up from the normal low budget fare that we get in a Halloween installment. And then the second one, Halloween Kills, was like, whoa, we had such success with that. Let's do it again, but bigger, really big. And so the body count was bigger than ever. It was so extremely bloody. There was a huge body count. It traversed the entire city of Haddonfield back and forth and back and forth. And then it ended on like a decidedly supernatural note and you just wondered like where the fuck do you go from here because the end of Halloween Kills I'm gonna spoil it because I don't think anyone gives a shit it confirms basically that Michael Myers is superhuman he gets stabbed burned beaten with a bat he gets shot several times by a gang and then he stands up and he kills them all he kills everyone after suffering a litany of fucking mortal wounds. And so then apparently he, this four years go by, Halloween ends opens, no one has seen Michael Myers in a long time, but the ensuing trauma of his presence has changed the neighborhood. And like, there are suicides all the time, domestic violence is through the roof, people are paranoid about anyone they see in a mask. I guess the first one is about how trauma is passed down from one generation to the next within a family. The second one is about how trauma can permeate through a community. And then the third one is about the legacy of a traumatic event within a community. So it's interesting to sort of ride that 
thematic horse. It's not conducted in a very artful or astute way. I think it's kind of like some cerebral dressing on what is basically a purely hedonistic kind of filmmaking. Watch these people get naked. Watch these people get stabbed. I, I as I get older, wonder like, why the fuck? Am I interested in this shit? Like, the world is so horribly violent and we get such resounding confirmation of that every day. Why do I go to entertainment? That just reaffirms it. Anyways, I come to this movie, like, freighted with a couple decades of avid horror movie fandom. And in that respect, the movie is speaking directly to me and this kind of audience. And it subverted my expectations by not trying to embiggen itself over, the, over its already very large predecessor. It was a modest scope of a movie in the first one, second one was huge, third one goes back to being fairly modest. A lot of it doesn't make sense, it's kind of silly, but it's refreshing in that it's just... It's not the same old shit. It's recognizable, but they're trying something new. Don't want to get too much into it to give shit away. What's really great about it, though, is fucking Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis has been playing this, has played this role seven times. And then at the red carpet affair, she did like a, she was wearing a big red dress and some kick-ass glasses, and she did her, you know, her, her bow, and she made it very gracefully clear that she's fucking done. And a, a performer of her stature at this point in her career, I think she's 64 or 65, she's gone on to do such more interesting shit than the Halloween franchise, but she was just gracious enough to step back into this genre and to this franchise that means so much to so many people. Obviously, I, well, maybe she feels some sort of personal debt to it. I don't know if she necessarily does. Like fucking Charlize Theron's first movie is Children of the Corn Part 3, colon, Urban Harvest. She's only in it for a couple minutes and I don't think that Charlize Theron is looking, is sitting in her villa looking back like, you know, I owe it all to Children of the Corn Part 3 or Urban Harvest. Let me go back and fucking participate in Reboot. But I think it's super cool. Jamie Lee Curtis just seems like a fucking really cool person. You know what, let me just end it on this. That's the only note of certainty in this entire thing is that Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic. I don't know if any of these movies are good. I it took me a long time to learn how to fucking write and read. Anyways, thanks for listening and I will talk to you next time.